Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Welcome to Bottoming, the LGBTQ mental health podcast about rock bottoming and beyond. Kindly sponsored by Joe Malone London. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BottomingPod or visit BottomingPodcast.com for more content relating to each episode. We've also added a support page to the website to direct you to the right place if you're struggling or need someone to talk to. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts. Hello again. Welcome back. I'm Matthew. And I'm Brendan, and our pronouns are he and him. So, hopefully, you've listened to part one of this double parter, where we spoke to Tash and Shivani from The Log Books. As you mentioned, this time around, we are going to be chatting to Adam Smith, who's also involved in The Log Books, um, and also has just released um, his book, Deep Sniff, which is a history of poppers. Mm-hmm. So, I guess we'll just get straight into it, because mm-hmm. we've already done our own spiel haven't we in episode one? we have we have too much so yeah again it was re- it was really really interesting speaking to adam especially after reading the book listening it's, to listening to the audiobook as well it's got such a common voice there was not a lot i knew about poppers to be completely honest lies no really the, the really it was wasn't. all a lie <laughs> i have had very a mixed history with poppers I've, I've never found them like personally anyway i haven't used them for a long time but 
yeah, I've just never personally found you the best use for them, I guess. Okay. <laughs> um, maybe I've just had cheap hoppers, which, you know, we ask Adam first some recommendations at the end. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's time to try them. Who knows? Could be. But um, have you ever tried them? I have. My first experience of poppers was actually from through my straight friends. Mm-hmm. I was at a house party when I was maybe like 17 or something. And 18. For the record, you meant 18. Oh, yeah. I was legal and stuff. <laughs> and um, he was just like, oh, do you want to try this? And it was just like an instant high straight up. Straight down. <laughs> no, no, it was like more of a gradual down, but like... <laughs> Yeah, just for 30 seconds, and it's really interesting. Yeah, I, it's fun on, it is fun on the dance floor. Yeah, I mean, that was on a, in a living room. A living room floor. Floor, yeah. yeah fair. Which was yeah, party, party. But no, I, I haven't tried them since, really. I, haven't, mm. I don't really, I don't like to, okay, mum, if you're listening, cover your ears. Skip 15 seconds. Yeah, but I don't like to not be present when I'm having sex. And sometimes... Even if it's that 30 seconds and it takes me out of it or whatever, I don't like not feeling grounded in my body. And so some people really like that. And that's mm. sometimes what they want from from using something like that. But for me, I'm more interested in being there. <laughs> Fair, that was very grand, actually. Do you know what? Actually, I'd be really interested in knowing, if you're listening, what your experiences are. We'll, of course, keep them confidential. But let us know because we could share them on socials mm. um, and maybe discuss quickly next episode because, yeah, we're really interested. I'm personally really interested in what you thought, maybe your recommendations, any funny stories you've got. Um, I have actually burnt my nose with them once. Burnt your nose? Yeah, I was very, I was really quite drunk. And obviously, I think I was a bit too aggressive in the... <laughs> oh, I see. And it, like, went into my nostril, which is never fun. You shouldn't no. do that. No. Anyway... We will now hand it over to Adam. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, he is, I guess, now the UK's poppers expert. Mm-hmm. So take away, Adam. Hello, I'm Adam Smith. My pronouns are he, him. And I am a writer and a podcast producer. I co-produced the Logbooks podcast. And I have also written a book that's called Deep Sniff, A History of Poppers and Queer Futures. So you do discuss it in the book, but can you share with listeners how the book came about um, and why you wanted to write it as well? Well, I just think that poppers are great. And uh, I had not really known or learned very much about poppers or what it was. It just, after a while of like using it in sex and a bit in dancing, I just thought like, well, what, what are these, what's this stuff that we're all sniffing? And where does it come from? What is it? What's the history? And it seemed like no one knew very much about that. Like if I spoke to people about it, I didn't like, it's not like I stopped like in the middle of sex and said like, oh, you know, to people like, oh, what's, what is, what is poppers? Like, what is the place of poppers in queer history? Do you think? <laughs> yeah, but could you just, no. Um, so, but I just sort of realized that like so many people know what they are, um, but they don't know very much about them. Mm-hmm. And so that just felt I guess like a call to action as a as a writer was just like okay well there's something to investigate and mm. to think about and um and so I also noticed that there's this interesting thing about poppers that there are lots and lots of people who know 
what poppers are and who use it. And yet there is loads and loads of people who don't even know that poppers exists. Mm -hmm. And yet it is a like supremely common drug. Mm -hmm. Even if you look at like national statistics and stuff, it's a really, really common drug. And yet um, even among those people that don't, um, that don't use poppers, they, um, well, what's interesting is that like, there's a lot of people that like, well, everyone knows what cocaine is including those who have never even seen it mm -hmm. in a room before. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows what cocaine is. Uh, and it's obviously like a very common drug. And it's the same with poppers. It's a very common drug. And yet it's completely different because if you don't do it, you don't even know it exists. Mm -hmm. It just flies under the radar. So again, that was another thing that got me thinking ab about it. And uh, two years ago, I was starting to work with the team that, produce a festival every year in November. It's a queer arts festival called Fringe! Exclamation point. <laughs> and we were talking about what we were going to do at the festival. And I just said to two of the other people in the collective, like, can I write and research and like deliver a talk about poppers? <laughs> and it was not the normal thing that we do at the festival. We're primarily a film festival, but we have like some bits of performance and other kinds of art represented. But um, this wasn't even going to be art. It was just going to be me talking, <laughs> which is not art. <laughs> <laughs> so uh but they said yeah go on then why not that'll sound that sounds fun so i did it and it because it gave me like a deadline and a mandate and everything and so i just spent a while like do, doing a bit of research into mm -hmm. history of poppers and then put together this talk and that went down well and then a bit after that i was like thinking about what to do with this because it felt to me like it could be something bigger mm -hmm. and then it was lockdown and then i was like okay well let's do a book the time. <laughs> <laughs> so how was that process of writing during lockdown it must have been quite intense obviously initially we weren't even we had to go outside for say like 20 mm. minutes at a time but <laughs> yeah yeah i mean did it force you to adhere to deadlines or yeah how was that yeah, it was so it actually happened um, that I pitched the book to a publisher in the during the first lockdown and and like towards the end of the like really intense bit mm -hmm. of the first lockdown, I think, although memories are hazy. I don't know whether you find this like exactly what that year was and what milestones we passed through in that year, like yeah. personally and when things happened. I don't know. It's a big smoosh. Mm -hmm. So I think it happened like in the roughly towards the end of the first intense lockdown that I spoke to the publisher about it and they said yes. And so then it was definitely from the June 2020 onwards for six months. So the second half of 2020 was when I was actually writing it two days a week. Mm -hmm. And so in that six months, we were definitely in and out of lockdown. Mm -hmm. And between tier one, two, three, four, five, six, sixty five, <laughs> we were like jumping up and down and in and out and hokey pokey with the lockdown. And so um, but I had this consistency, which was two days a week, I sat down and I thought about this book and I thought about poppers and I read stuff and I watched stuff and I wrote stuff. Mm. And so that was really actually um, quite useful, consistent thing that I did in that mm. like really, really, really difficult period. And the other thing about it was that um, I don't know whether the book would have been the same if it wasn't for the pandemic and the lockdowns and stuff. Mm. Um, it's impossible to know, but I did find that I was thinking a lot about queer spaces and about um, queer connections uh, uh, between people and also sex, which um, again, in and out, I was and, and wasn't having mm -hmm. um, and so, for various reasons. And so um, 
I think that the withdrawal of things like that and the withdrawal of, um, in a way, like my freedom and ability to to be queer or to do queer rather, because you're always, you are always being queer, right? Mm-hmm. If you are, it's more the doing. Um, and so I wasn't doing queer. So I think that the book became a bit more about that and about performance and about like live Mm -hmm. things that happen in live spaces performance spaces and stuff partly because I was I had to create that Mm. for myself and so I kind of did that in my bedroom where I am right now talking to you (laughs) and where I did most of the work on it Mm -hmm. you know just creating that that queer space Mm. to to do queer (laughs) yeah that is so interesting actually because yeah we listened to your audiobook on we went to Liverpool this weekend so it was a perfect chance to listen on the train properly pay attention (laughs) that's my my voice for five hours (laughs) I'm I'm really sorry (laughs) and there's a whole chapter about wanking (laughs) it did because there'd be times I'd be looking out the window and I'd be like oh and then occasionally it would be like fucking (laughs) it'd be like a really intense way it would break up the sentence but it definitely kept us awake (laughs) but what I found when listening to it is that there is a lot of freedom in Mm. the way you write about obviously taking poppers and the experiences and things like that. And so it is quite an interesting juxtaposition if you can compare that to the the, the way you had to write it, I guess, with such minimal, um, minimal freedom. Mm. Yeah, and I think that, you know, that's something that there is this connection um, between uh, queerness and freedom. And I'm obviously using queerness in the broadest sense there, but if you, you know, you can break it down into the fact of, uh, you know, gay men or men who had sex with men uh being persecuted by police Mm -hmm. and honey trapped in public toilets and then fined or arrested and um even imprisoned in britain uh within living memory you know that's a very specific freedom that was removed from people that i feel connected to and that you know we have this intergenerational connection with and of course there are people living with historic convictions like that today um as we've covered in the logbooks. And so there is there is this connection between freedom and, and, and queerness. And so that was obviously on my mind when the pandemic was happening and the lockdowns were happening and the restrictions, you know, even the quite sort of light touch restrictions were stopping us doing certain things and, and, and being who we were. And so I, I felt that like one of the things that Poppers does is it it frees you from your like material body you know like even for like 45 seconds like a lot of drugs I suppose it removes your inhibitions Mm. it makes you feel like a slightly better version of yourself in your own imagination um and it just makes you feel a bit freer and so that connection I don't I'm sure that that connection would have come up anyway even if it wasn't for the pandemic but it it was all the more acute because Mm. of that I think um, and I think it's also something that we all have to, we have to think about when we when we're thinking about queer history any anyway like freedom is just such an important part of it and I think that casting our minds to the future which is obviously what I like to do like looking back and looking forward at the same time and the logbooks does that too look you know when we think about the future so I think so often we all think of like this like beautiful perfect place where we will be free as if like it's a destination and I just don't believe that that will happen not because I'm a pessimist but I feel like um 
I just feel like it's it's always relative and relational and I don't think that there's a destination of freedom and I think that you're kind of if that's what you're aiming for then you'll you'll always be missing you'll always be missing something you'll always be looking like looking over people that are not yet free even if you think that you are free do you know what I mean like yeah yeah it's a like not a nice way I guess it's an interesting way to look at it because especially overlooking other people we that conversation happens all the time especially in western countries yeah. where gay marriage is the end goal for a lot of yeah. people and then that's you know where the fight kind of ends for them so yeah yeah um slightly different topic now you talk at length um about the hyper masculine marketing and packaging of poppers in the book we're both creative branders communications type of work so this mm. is um, especially interesting what thoughts do you have on maybe the impact that this sort of branding and Mm. visual setup around mm. poppers has had on on well gay men especially but just anyone that has come across it yeah so i think that this is the story of capitalism as it pertains to like poppers and yeah urban gay male culture mm. right so like the tiny backdrop is um you know that um around about the end of the second world war and and, and not long after when you have you know in places like san francisco new york and london you have an ever-increasing concentration of uh gay men men who are identifying as such and living as such and like growing communities around that obviously you have other parts of the community growing up in those um locations as well and in those communities uh lesbians etc and other and other members of the family but um by the time it had become so concentrated that there was um gay presses uh gay owned businesses whether it's obvious things like nightclubs but also other things like barbers and mm-hmm. and cafes and stuff like that and bookshops um in in these places uh at the same time as that you have the increasing uh use of poppers um primarily from pharmacists uh you know people going into pharmacists and saying that they've got an angina problem a problem with their heart can we have some, can i have some amyl nitrite please and the pharmacist noticing that mm, it's quite like young healthy men <laughs> who don't usually have angina problems that keep coming in and buying this shit um so it, but so anyway so that so and you know that led to the, the 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 pharmacist sort of raising alarm bells about that to this to the state both the u.s state and the uk state the governments and the regulators um meant that there was a prescription requirement that was put in in the mid 70s for these things but already by that point the cat was out of the bag um and uh companies had started to set up to manufacture poppers and to market them and brand them um as poppers uh well well we can talk about actually the other names that people use them but i mean as a product that was like for this purpose even though they couldn't say that it was for this purpose mm-hmm. of sniffing them so to open your bum hole so you can have sex there <laughs> uh and other other pleasures and so um so yeah so you get this like concentration of of people with a certain community with a certain demographic and they're on also they have disposable income hello mm-hmm. um and then you get companies that are recognizing that wow this is like a legit product and the state is clamping down on the sort of quote unquote illegitimate use of this medical product um and so you so then they obviously started to like create brands around that and then advertising and, mar- and marketing specifically for that demographic and lo and behold what was the sort of dominant um, theme and trend and look of those adverts were this like quite hyper-masculine, like buff guy. And obviously that was part of what else was 
uh going on and and in in like gay male subcultures in this mm. in the 70s you know the disco the di- various different discos and different kinds of looks of what men should be um tom of finland had already been you know that sort of iconography had been around for some time anyway but basically i just think it's really interesting that here was a completely new product that had actually a lot of potential to be marketed and branded in all sorts of different ways and yet it became advertised by like a beefcake with like 18 (laughs) abs and like a diesel gas pump in his other hand do you know what I mean and so that's just interesting that's just interesting to me so your question what impact might that have had well you know um I think it's great for people that desire that person because they can see this product and it's great for people that desire that person and want to see that person in a gay context Mm -hmm. because often that body type is because it's like masculinized you know it's it's often seen as like straight so it's Mm -hmm. great if it's if that is also seen to be fucked in the ass um so that's great. On the other hand, as anything, as all the billboards, as all the, you know, um, gorgeous people and the Calvin Klein ads and all this stuff has done for decades and decades and decades, it makes some of us feel like shit. <laughs> you know, so so this is the this is the thing. And it's like this is what's really interesting to me is that like that place of pop that placement of poppers in this grand narrative of capitalism and marketing, making us feel like, oh, that's the thing that I want for myself, or that's the thing that I want to fuck. Or that's the thing that I want to be. Or that's the thing that I want to eat. And then also like, oh, if I just buy it, maybe I could become that. (laughs) And then also like eating your tub of ice cream at 3am. I'm definitely not that. Mm -hmm. Two bottles should do it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. Those are my thoughts on that. I think the way you've just summarized that as well, kind of for anyone maybe that... I don't know, has not come across a popper's bottle before. Mm-hmm. Given the context and the description, I think that was like a perfect summary of <laughs> the whole lot. Because as you say, yeah. it all plays into the so many... Lot. The whole wow. lot. <laughs> um, it, it plays into so many different aspects of it. So, <laughs> Yeah. Um, something that we both never heard about before was the link that the press made between poppers and AIDS during the early days of the crisis. Can Mm -hmm. you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, and I didn't know anything about that either until I started like Mm. looking into into this history and into the the history of poppers. And what I found was that when I searched for things like amyl nitrite or amyl in like scientific mm-hmm. research databases going back like decades, um, that in the very early 80s, it was I guess, like spotted by scientists who were, um, and doctors who were writing a very, very, very early papers, just noticing the existence of things like Kaposi sarcoma, which is this otherwise super rare cancer happening in otherwise super healthy young men. Um, They also noticed that there was a high proportion of those young men that were also using poppers. So they noticed that they were having gay sex and they also noticed that they were using poppers a lot. So they made that correlation. And of course, the press, when it started to jump on HIV AIDS as and call it things like gay plague, then it was looking for the smoking gun, mm-hmm. just as much as the scientists were. And it saw that connection as well, that correlation. It wasn't, you know, now we know that poppers don't cause HIV AIDS. They do not. Um, but it was just a correlation. But obviously, you know what the what journalists are like in the mainstream press and yeah. stuff like that so um so i was like really really surprised at that and and then when you when you kind of follow that thread through um and you see that after the identification of 
HIV as a virus and the the discovery of how it was transmitted um, between individuals, but also like, you know, through a group of people, through a community. Um, and then that was the start then of like AIDS denialism and the idea that HIV is made up and that it doesn't cause, you know, mm. that, that it's that AIDS is not caused by a virus like HIV, you know, and that is still an idea that pervades today in like these tiny sad corners of the internet. And um, Poppers was obviously a part of that conversation because there were some people that were saying, that were seeing that correlation and saying like, oh my God, Poppers cause HIV AIDS, like, ev like gay men, you need to stop doing this, mm -hmm. you know, save yourself, stop doing it. And there were campaigns about that, especially one that was driven by two Americans a writer and an activist that I write about in the book a bit. And they were campaigning. They were trying to get gay men to stop using poppers. And um, and they, they actually carried on campaigning for that even long after it was established that poppers was not the thing that was causing HIV. So you have to wonder, um, you know, like why they were doing that. But, you know, that's just, that's one of the things. Um, and so that was, that was just a story and a, a theme that I was like, wow, I haven't heard that before. Mm -hmm. So... And it was funny because I hadn't gone into the book thinking like that I was going to do, you know, something big on HIV and AIDS. Um, and, you know, I've done bits and bobs of work around that in the past, obviously, um, and will probably continue to because it's like so big and important. And I hadn't really expected that that would come up. But mm -hmm. the thing is that it seems like it's such a big thing that's happened to our community that it touches everything. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I thought it was a really interesting, the whole like part that you write about that i was just and like on reflection i'm like as you just said then i probably shouldn't have been surprised that that was what happened because it does cross over mm. everywhere but yeah i thought it was really really interesting yeah um i guess on that note what was your personal either kind of favorite moments of the process or your favorite maybe new fact that you picked up during mm. the whole period okay well i'll do one of each so i think the favorite fact that i picked up and i won't tell the whole thing and it's not a giant part of the book but I won't tell the whole thing just because um people might read the book and it's a nice thing that surprises them yeah. by the book um, <laughs> <laughs> um it's just it's just when Charles Darwin appears that's all I'll say and when I saw that he appears in this big story of the history of this substance called amyl nitrite I was like oh wow that's fun because I already <laughs> love Charles Darwin as someone who like um, you know, spent years and years and years uh, like studying something and then and like realizing what the implications were of it and then like continuing to study on it and sit on it and stress about it and like agonize about whether, you know, literally spent like more than 20 years, I think, um, developing the theory of um, natural selection and um, evolution, knowing that it was basically going to disprove the existence of God. <laughs> so I don't know. So I like him anyway. And so when he popped up, I was like, oh my God, wow. It's like a sort of a guest, you know, when you're watching like a favorite TV show and then you're like, oh my God, like Catherine O'Hara's in it all of a sudden or whatever. Um, so that's, so that was like a favorite fact. Um, but I won't sort of say more about that. Uh, I guess favorite moment was, is just not a specific moment or anything, but is it happened because it happened several times and it's linking back to what we said earlier where I was I just put on music and I kind of like closed off the world made myself coffee <laughs> and was um just like really really in the zone like I do this thing where I like plan if I'm writing non-fiction like this it's quite heavily planned mm -hmm. um 
a, a particular you know passage or chapter or something it's quite heavily planned and then I just like sit and write it according to that plan and so um and then I can, it helps me to get into the flow and then with the music which is also mentioned quite a lot in the book and there's a playlist linked mm-hmm. by a QR code in the back of the book um I just found that really really useful to get into that zone and it felt like that was the closest that I could come to like dancing my tits off in a like in the in the basement of the glory or something like which is so weird that that's but there's something about like embodying um that spirit Mm. even when I'm just like sitting at a desk staring at a screen and a blinking cursor (laughs) so throughout the book you make reference to switchboard and the logbooks yeah you um co-host yeah um how did these two projects connect as you're writing yeah well um the thing is that because of making the logbooks I have um I have access to this amazing archive of these handwritten notes by volunteers over the decades who've handled the phone calls to switchboard and so as tash and shivani and i have made that podcast over the past few years when we go through the archive of those notes and we take photographs of the logbooks the pages of the logbooks we um like tag those photos with what is in the stories so i had already been collecting um logbook entries with the tag poppers um and we mentioned it a little bit i think in um there's a there's an episode about sex in season one where we mentioned some questions about poppers that people had phoned switchboard um to ask uh and so i knew that probably no one had actually um talked about poppers coming up on phone calls to switchboard mm-hmm. um like before or written about that and so I knew that it was one of those things where I was like okay well I can read loads of books about that mention poppers or watch things that mention poppers but actually here is like a primary source Mm -hmm. and I didn't use that many primary sources I did use like the notes of the medical doctor from the 19th century who like first used amyl nitrite to treat angina patients that was another primary source but I wasn't generally using that many primary sources plus when I was writing places were closed yeah so so yeah so i so i knew that i had access to that and i thought well i have i have to use that somehow um and um so i just built that into my plan really and just kind of like was pulling together this big document of all any single like reference that i could find of poppers Mm -hmm. from anywhere and so the switchboard logbooks was one of those sources and then there's a story in the book that's about the raids that happened at the royal Vauxhall tavern in december 1986 where poppers were seized and January 1987 where police turned up in rubber gloves uh because of um their their fear and mm-hmm. um of HIV and um so I wanted to tell that story because it because poppers were present there and they were seized in the first case and there was a whole like court case and everything and fortunately it came up in the switchboard logbooks because the RVT being raided by police is something that people ring switchboard about to say hey switchboard you need to know and you need to tell other people who might be calling you to know that um the police are raiding gay pubs right now in London um so uh they yeah so that came up and so that was like a kind of a triangulation Mm -hmm. of of historical facts from different sources Mm. And this is probably the most important question <laughs> as we end. <laughs> and I know people listening are probably going to want to know. Uh, what are your favorite brand recommendations <laughs> well <laughs> well um are you looking for a new sponsor for the podcast <laughs> uh, um different kind of aromas <laughs> um so um 
I this is the I, so I do get asked this a bit, and I I don't have like a really really firm favorite because I'm the kind of person that likes to like try widely and like keep <laughs> keep experimenting. <laughs> Um, and so what I will say is that I um, had sex with someone recently and he brought um, Jungle Juice Black Label to the party black and label. I had and I had not had that before. <laughs> so that was a nice, uh, fresh experience for me. So that's just the one that's, you know, foremost in my mind right now because yeah. I, I sniffed it recently and had a really nice time. <laughs> Gorgeous. <laughs> Get right in those notes, girlies. <laughs> <laughs> So just to round off, where can people get your book and also Black Label? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I guess you can get Jungle Juice Black Label from, like, um, all the main sex shops and Mm -hmm. online. Um, People buy, most people buy poppers online now because you can get it sent through the post. Yeah. Um, uh, As the same with books, of course. Um, You can get Deep Sniff from any any bookshop really if they don't have it in then they can order it for you it's published by repeater books and it's definitely available uh, through our beloved gaze the words mm-hmm. bookshop in london which also if you're not in london or you can't get to london then they do mail order and that supports like you know the amazing queer bookshop that is gaze the word and also from bookshop.org which supports uh, loads and as of independent bookshops mm-hmm. and um so it's certainly no more expensive doing it that way uh than going to you know other book websites mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah you can get deep sniff anywhere where you can get books basically One thing I found funny reading while listening to the audiobook was that this might be a a well-known thing, but they were used as or sold as room odorizers. That is just wild to me. That is what it says on the bottles. I know, but come on. But that, again, it does explain in the book that is like the legal requirement that was needed like medically i know is it the different things it is it really, really how hilarious because i never i never knew why it said rumor dries and i was just like nah. vcr cleaner yeah, okay i guess <laughs> vcr cleaner. yeah well that maybe i don't know if we should be all using this but yeah wow. but it's it's interesting as well the conversation about poppers just generally in the in the uk and beyond um politically how they're used and seen sometimes and i know there's been some um people obviously say that they should be banned and they're super dangerous, which there's no evidence for. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the same side, there's also the politicians that you would least expect supporting them. So I remember there was a news article about Pretty Patel saying that they wouldn't be classed as, um, basically classed as, a, as any sort of a drug. And obviously, Twitter thought it was time to girl boss <laughs> Pretty Patel of all people, um, because she maybe had one thing she said right. <laughs> but that's another story. So. Yeah, um, it was really, really interesting to speak to Adam after reading the book especially. So, um, yeah, give it a read. Give it a little look into this history month. And, yeah, let us know your thoughts on poppers. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go into positive thing of the week, one little side note that I need to say. The EHRC, the Equality and Human Rights Commission in the UK, released a statement yesterday and essentially have now been condemned by a lot of LGBT um, and, and other organisations because um, they've put out a statement that essentially has the same anti-trans rhetoric as a lot of that movement have had. Um, 
so I know the LGBT Foundation, for example, have cut ties and made a very firm statement about kind of the direction that the HRC has gone in. Um, it, it, it is not, I would say, independently dealing with human rights issues in the way it should be as a supposed human rights organisation. And there's a lot of influence um, in, in the EHRC now from the current government. So that has probably played a large part into it. But it was also around the same time this week um, shared that the UK now lists alongside the likes of Hungary, um, Russia, just a few other countries that um, at the bottom of the list for LGBT progression and safety. So I think we discussed it in many, many episodes over the last year and a bit. Um, if the alarm bells aren't already going off and you're listening and you're still just kind of getting by your day, I'd say now is like kind of the end point for you to be getting involved because whether it's writing to your MP, whether it's getting involved in other organisations and sharing the work that they do or supporting them or donating to whoever you can, if you can, it's just really important that we get involved because, um, yeah, it's a very slippery slope and the speed at which we've gone from being seen as a beacon of LGBT equality in this country to the place that we're at right now, especially in regards to trans rights, um, I think should should scare people. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to flag that as we end this, especially given that it's History Month, um, as as yeah, a point of a point of thought. But with that now being said, what was your positive? Let's end on a high. What was your positive of the week? <laughs> so this just made me very tight chested, <laughs> um, as it should. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> actually, my positive thing of the week is a conversation we had with a guest that's coming up next, mm. and um, it was actually just a really, really interesting interview um, and conversation. But also, it just filled me with lots of joy because she, because of the way she, um, the way just she just was views, with us, yeah. and. Um, <clears throat> the ease at which she spoke and just um it was a very comforting conversation with someone that i've not really had in at that level before mm-hmm. um and because of the experience she's had as well mm. um so yeah that conversation yeah which i guess we can now say yeah it, it was with christine burns mbe um which is going to be the next episode mm-hmm. you'll listen to so that's probably my yeah thing yeah I would agree on that. And I yeah. also would say, um, I would add to that, this cake. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the cake. Um, and also, I changed my posters around, which I enjoyed. <laughs> I needed a bit of a change. So I've now got my favourite Robin poster behind me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, she does look good. Yeah. But that is it. That's your lot, honey. That is your lot. Thanks for sticking with us. If you've done both episodes in one go. Thanks for listening in two parts, if you've listened in two parts. Yeah. <laughs> um, as always, we would love it if you could um, give us a little rating and review on Apple and Spotify now. Yeah, that'd be mm-hmm. really, really gorgina. Um, if you want to know more about anything we've spoken about this episode or the previous episode, you can go to our website, uh, www.bottomingpodcast.com and see some links to a few other articles Mm -hmm. and other talking points for you to learn a bit more Mm -hmm. and in the meantime as well we also should have um just a very small thing coming out with a cast who obviously hosts our podcast um for history month so we'll be recommending some of our favorite podcasts so keep an eye out um across our socials at bottoming pod for that as well um 
because yeah we'll point you in the direction of some of our faves mm-hmm. but in the meantime you are doing amazing sweet bunnies you're doing so amazing love ya bye hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.